Welcome to Battleground Politics. I'm Lauren Maig. In Philadelphia, Democrats are the dominant party, both among voters and also in City Hall. But historically, Republicans have had two at-large city council seats that were reserved for the non-majority party. Well, not anymore. A third party won both of those seats. Republican elected presence in City Hall is dwindling. I talked to one of the only elected Republicans left there, City Commissioner Seth Bluestein. We talked about what's ahead for his party and as one of the people who oversees elections in the city, how he's preparing for another presidential election year. Welcome, Commissioner, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you are one of only two Republicans left in city government. Let's, let's start there. What do you make of that? How, how do you feel in that position? Well, in my role as an elections commissioner, it's extremely important that we have a bipartisan, professional operation running the city's elections. So I do think it's a very important role for both parties to have a part in. You are in one of the, uh, in the seat that is reserved for the non-majority party in Philadelphia on that three-person um, uh, board of, of city commissioners. And, and there's a similar thing in city council with the at-large seats where there are two seats reserved for the non-majority party. Um, those two seats this time went to the Working Families Party instead of to Republicans uh, who had, you know, traditionally up until 2019 held them. Do you worry that your seat could ultimately be won? You just won re-election um, uh, for, for a, a term now, but do you worry that in the future um, your seat could be one that the Working Families Party or a third party, given this um, sort of energy around them, could could go to them instead of to, to you or to another Republican. Yeah. Well, this was the first cycle that the Working Families Party even considered running a candidate for the commissioner seat. Four years ago, when they challenged for the city council seats, uh, former city commissioner Al Schmidt, my former boss, went unopposed. So is that a prospect that could happen in the future? It's possible. You know, my main focus as commissioner is really just looking ahead at running the city's elections for the next year. What... You know, you said you think it's important for it to be bipartisan. What mm -hmm. do you think that that would mean if that bipartisan was not Democrat-Republican, but Democrat Working Families Party or, or another party that may pop up down the road? Well, for better or worse, there are two major parties in our country. Nationally, at the state level, you know, Republicans and Democrats are relatively evenly split. Even in Philadelphia, a tenth of our registration, over 100,000 voters, are registered Republicans. So in order to help have trust and faith in our election system, we want to make sure that all of those views uh, for each election are being heard and have representation on the board. Let's talk about where, where your party is now, uh, because as you mentioned, there are still quite a few Republicans in Philadelphia. Re Republicans actually increased their, um, their, their registration in, in recent years. Former President Trump increased his votes in the city between 2016 and 2020, and yet when it came to the city council race, which was on an off year, um, Republicans could not get the 80,000 votes or whatever it was mm -hmm. going to take to get one of those seats. Why do you think that was? Well, if we look back four years ago at the results when Councilmember Brooks won the first of the two minority seats, if you look at the actual number of voters who cast votes, 
more voters selected a Republican candidate than voters who selected a Working Families candidate. The difference being four years ago, that vote was split between five Republicans. Each party can nominate up to five candidates, and the Republican Party at the time didn't take the challenge from the Working Families seriously. So they were competing amongst each other for those votes, and therefore they only were able to win one of those seats. So this election cycle, they took lessons from that, and they only ran two candidates in the general election, hoping to have a two-on-two battle for those two seats. And what happened this time, as we await the final results and numbers that are going to be coming in, um, it looks like um, Republican turnout didn't go up, despite having a very competitive election and being aware of the fact that it was going to be competitive. And that turnout in the wards where um, the Working Families Party gets its most work votes from did go up. So, you know, it really looks like uh, a turnout issue uh, in more than just a registration issue. What do, you, what do you do about that now? What are the conversations now about how you go forward, what you do perhaps in cycles coming forward and even in between? Well, it really comes down to a resource imbalance. And when I say resources, I don't just mean money, although that is the case, where the Working Families Party candidates had two and a half to three times the amount of money to spend as the Republican Party candidates. Um, but it's also about operations and organization and energy amongst volunteers and people like that. So you have Democratic City Committee and Republican City Committee, but there are a lot of outside progressive organizations like Reclaim and DSA um, that really drove a lot of turnout in the wards where they operate effectively. And having that type of energy um, year-round, uh, every election cycle is really important to building a operation to win races. So why doesn't, why doesn't your party, why don't Republicans have that kind of energy? Certainly, we're in the midst of a presidential race now. Mm -hmm. They're getting a lot of attention. Um, there was a lot of attention to the uh, Supreme Court race, the state Supreme Court race in Pennsylvania. Now, the Republican candidate also did not, uh, was not successful, but there was a lot of attention to that race. Why, why do you think that energy, uh, as you said, is, is not there as compared to with the other side? Well, if you look at the last couple election cycles, you see a national trend where the Republican Party has lost a lot of races. Um, and I think coming out of this year, they're really going to have to look at how they engage with voters on a regular basis to develop that energy. Um, you can't just run in the election year and think that you're going to turn out enough votes to win. You really have to build those relationships and be in the communities now so that in four years from now, if the party is going to challenge for these two council seats again, they, they do that work further in advance. Do you worry that it gets to a point where Republican candidates think it's not worth the time or the money to do that, to compete? Well, I think there will always be candidates who run for the seats. The question is, will they be competitive? And we've seen that if you take the mayoral race, for example. You know, David O ran the most competitive race a Republican has since Sam Katz. And that didn't mean that the Republican Party didn't run candidates over the last 20 years, but they weren't as well-funded or um, have the experience that voters are really looking for. And even though Councilman O lost, you know, he still ran and other candidates ran. So I think you'll have candidates running, but whether it's well-organized and well-funded is going to be the question. Is this something that could change in terms of 
leadership at the local party level? Does that make a difference, or um, is it something is it something beyond that? I think it's something beyond that. You know, the Republican Party, as I said, had a plan coming out of 2019, and they executed that plan. So from an operation standpoint, the local party did what they were attempting to do, uh, which was make it a two-on-two -two race and have both candidates working together to win the two seats. Um, I think it's a broader trend that really needs to be addressed about how competitive the Republican Party can be in a city that is um, diverse and um, in urban environments. How much of a factor is former President Trump in, in all of this? Well, I think he's been a factor in every election cycle since he announced he was running for president before 2016. But he has won and he has lost. Where does he play in the situation that your party finds yourself in now? Well, Pennsylvania is going to be a swing state. It always is. And Philadelphia is the most populous county in the largest swing state in the country. So this is going to be a competitive environment next year. Um, it's going to be a competitive environment beyond 2024. And how that race plays out is going to impact the types of candidates and the resources that are at play for local races. There was an attempt by the, the state party, and, and nationally as well, but um, certainly here in Pennsylvania, um, the, the Republican uh, state party um, really attempted to encourage people to what they call bank their vote, which is basically using vote by yeah. mail, which we can now do in Pennsylvania. And that is something that former President Trump had um, criticized, mm -hmm. heavily criticized. Uh, and yet now we saw the Republican Party embracing that. Um, the numbers still were not there for them. Um, Democrats still, still produced more um, mail-in votes. Uh, what did you think of, of that effort? Was it too little too late at that point? Or do you think they still have a chance to come back with that? Well, as an election administrator, I just want people to come out and vote. So whether they want to vote in person or by mail, it's their choice. I'd encourage everyone to get involved and participate in the electoral process. Uh, from a party standpoint, it's probably too little too late. Um, you know, the voters internalized the message that President Trump sent uh, before 2020 that voting by mail wasn't safe, even though it's not true. And getting them now to commit to voting by mail is going to be a lot harder. I know that there were some ballots that came in in Philadelphia that had issues. Um, they weren't in the secrecy envelope. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a signature. They didn't have a date. You know, those things that we have been told um, over and over again in, the, in this, you know, since, since vote by mail became available that, that you have to do to make sure your vote is counted. Um, do you have any idea yet whether um, how that broke down by party line? Were there, since this was a new thing, newer thing for Republicans to be embracing, did they have more issues with those? Do you know? Not that I've seen. We're going to take a look at all of that in depth and really think through how we can communicate with voters going forward to try and lessen the impact of those types of problems. You know, going into the next presidential, what we'll see is a lot of voters who only vote every four years. So they may have voted by mail in 2020, but they haven't voted since. Um, so we're going to have a bigger turnout in 2024, and we're going to have to really communicate with those voters to make sure that they don't mess up their ballots in the process. How, let's talk a little bit about 2024 um, and your role in that. You were here in 2020 
um, Al Schmidt was in your role mm -hmm. as as city commissioner, but you were um, you you were serving in the role of his deputy. So you were there during all of the um, all of the um, post election process, and you saw um, the threats that came in um, and. Um, everything that sort of happened around that and that was directed towards Philadelphia. What are you preparing for in terms of the spotlight that could potentially be on Pennsylvania and Philadelphia again? How are you getting ready for that? Yeah, I mean, I served as Al's deputy commissioner for 10 years. So 2020 was my third presidential election. Uh, 2024 will be my first as commissioner, but it'll be my fourth presidential. And, you know, we are going to prepare all of our operations and communications um, expecting to have a very close election like we did in 2020 and to make sure that we are not only working with voters to make sure that they are able to cast their votes safely and securely, but that their votes get counted um, properly when the counting starts on election day next year. You know, I, I mentioned there, there were threats. There, was, um, there were things directed toward, towards your office. Um, are you seeing any, any of that yet, even a year out? No, we're not seeing it a year out so far. Um, the, those types of threats really do come in waves. Um, as the election ramps up, um, you know, I expect we will receive some. Uh, we did in 2020. Um, had to have security outside of my house for my wife and my kids. Um, so we, we know that's a possibility. And when I was asked to serve in this role when Al left, you know, one of the first questions they asked me was, why would you want to do this? You know, after what you just went through in 2020, why would you want to continue serving in a role that could result in you getting harassment and threats? And what it comes down to is what I said at the beginning of the interview, which is we need to make sure that our elections are run professionally and transparently in a bipartisan way in Philadelphia. And the only way to do that is to continue to serve and to be here as a resource for people with the experience that we bring in election administration. So you know, we know it's a possibility and we're prepared to, to deal with it. Because at the end of the day, what really matters is that we run Philadelphia's elections well and that voters are able to vote and have their votes counted. As you head into 2024, knowing, what, knowing how things went in, in 2020 and that, what that experience was like, does that make it easier, having had that experience and kind of going in with that armor? Or does it make it more difficult knowing um, what could be ahead? Oh, it makes it way easier. You know, going into 2020, we had a brand new, no excuse vote by mail law. Our new voting machines were only here for a year. And then we were managing the election in a COVID pandemic environment, um, civil unrest. I mean, 2020 was very unique in that way. And we had to build up an operation from zero to be able to manage the 2020 general election. All of that's in place now. And we have continued to get the experience that we need managing with the ballot counting process. So I believe that while the 2024 election will be challenging and you never know what's gonna come up that might be different, um, I think we're in a good place to be prepared to manage it. Um, I'm gonna circle back to the, the party discussion that we were having. There is a, a primary race going on in your party right now for president. Um, do you see anyone you like? Have you ruled people out? What do you think? Well, since I'm going to be managing the primary election, you know, I'll keep my, my thoughts on the individual candidates to myself um, because I want to make sure that all of them have faith that no matter 
who we support personally, that when we're running the elections, everyone gets a fair shake at how the election's being run. So um, from that perspective, you know, I won't really talk about individual candidates. All right. That was Philadelphia City Commissioner Seth Bluestein. You can find more battleground politics on our website. Just go to NBC10.com slash battleground politics and you can subscribe for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts.